As he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered them, See that no one leads you astray, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, for this must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginning of the birth pains." Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another, and many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations and then the end will come. Matthew 24, 3-14. As I suggest possible ways to understand this text, we have to tread very carefully and with a fair amount of humility. While I've wrestled with this passage for many years, I do not propose an infallible interpretation. Though I am convinced that there is merit to my conclusions, I am aware that many Christians throughout history have debated this subject and have come to different conclusions. I simply lend my voice to the discussion. Historically, as I have already mentioned in the previous chapter, there have been numerous ways to interpret Jesus' words in Matthew 24. Some critics say Jesus was simply wrong and thus deem him a false prophet. Others have tried to interpret the term generation to mean something other than a time frame of about 40 years. Still others have made the case that Jesus was only speaking about the immediate future and not his second coming and the end of history as we know it. Others have pointed to a twofold approach to fulfillment, a primary fulfillment in the first century and an ultimate fulfillment at the end of history. This is often the case with prophecies from the Old Testament. Verse 3 reads, Tell us when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Verse 3b. We should exercise caution when considering the disciples' question, What did they mean by age? Customarily, many say that the end of the age refers to Jesus' return to consummate his kingdom here on earth. But could there be any other possible interpretations? Typically, when we say end of an age, we are referring to a particular era defined by certain characteristics, such as the Iron Age, the Bronze Age, or the Ice Age. Many believe this passage is making a distinction between the age of the Jews and the age of the Gentiles. To explore the meaning of the end of the age, let's consider Luke's account of the Olivet Discourse, which gives us further information. But when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that its desolation has come near. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains, and let those who are inside the city depart, and let not those who are out in the country enter it. For these are days of vengeance to fulfill all that is written. Alas for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days. For there will be great distress upon the earth and wrath against this people. They will fall by the edge of the sword and be led captive among all nations. And Jerusalem will be trampled underfoot by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. Luke 21, 20-24. 
Jesus is giving a warning to his followers, telling them what to do when they see the armies surrounding Jerusalem. The advice he gives is completely counterintuitive to any usual response to an invading army or military siege. In the ancient world, in the case of an invasion, people would leave their homes and possessions and flee for refuge in a walled city. This is the very reason there were walls around cities in the ancient world. They were built as a defense against invaders. When Jesus spoke these words, the walls of Jerusalem were 150 feet high. When the Romans attacked Jerusalem in A.D. 70, they had to besiege the city, and even with their military might, they found it a Herculean task to get through those walls. The siege lasted many months, so long that by the end of the struggle, the Mount of Olives was completely bare of olive trees.